In today's episode, I am chatting with Emma. This is the first part of Emma's pregnancies and birth stories, and she takes us through the birth of her son. Emma took quite a dive into her motherhood journey when six months into her new relationship, she found out she was pregnant right after finishing her degree and starting a new job. And this was all quite a shock. But a pleasant surprise for Emma, who was just excited to be a mum and decided to go along with it. Being a first-time mum and not knowing much about pregnancy and her birthing options, Emma just decided to have her antenatal care and birth her son at the local hospital nearby where she was living. And Emma tells us that this was quite a positive experience for her, but reflecting back, she realized that throughout her labor and even when she was in hospital, she felt like she did it all on her own and didn't really get much outside help. And this played a major role in Emma's decision when it came to the birth of her daughter. The other thing we chat about in this episode is how Emma navigated her postpartum journey and the role that her mother instinct had in helping her to find her way as a parent and decide what she felt was right to do with her son. And in this regard, Emma's got some really beautiful and empowering messages for everyone out there. So I will leave you with her episode and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You are listening to Kappa with a Doula. I'm your host, Alicia, exercise physiologist and doula. And every week I chat with a mom or mom-to-be about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. The stories you will hear in this podcast are real and sometimes raw, but they are all told without any taboo. So grab yourself a cuppa, put your earphones in, relax and enjoy this episode. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. No worries. Do you want to start by introducing yourself? So telling the listeners uh, your name, where you're living and who is in your family. So my name is Emma. I am living on the Sunshine Coast in Palmwoods and I've got a six and a half year old and a three month old. Wow. And we'll get into the, as we, as we just spoke about before, the uncommon age gap. That is yes. having children six years apart. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Amazing. So let's dive straight into it, Emma. Did you always mm-hmm. want to be a mum? I knew, yes, I did from a very young age. And I always thought I would be a young mum. But then when <laughs> it actually happened, I wasn't quite expecting it. <laughs> so my first was a quite a big surprise. I was, yeah, only dating... Well, I'm still currently with my partner now, but we'd only been dating for about six months and then I fell pregnant. So it was kind of like, do we, yeah, this awkward time of like, okay, is this like the best timing for us? You know, is this meant to be? And I've kind of always been the person that if it's meant to be, it'll just be. So I was Uh like, right, well, it's obviously happened for a reason. So we'll just ride that. And, you know, if it's going to be a viable pregnancy, we'll just let it all unfold. So, yeah, that was my journey into motherhood. (laughs) That is Absolutely amazing. And and obviously it's amazing yeah. to hear that you're still with, you know, your partner husband now. Yeah. Um yeah. because that could have been a big deal breaker, obviously. Oh, 
A hundred percent, definitely. You... I mean, it's definitely <laughs> made us grow a lot um, as yeah. our relationship has progressed. Had you, like the two of you, already spoken about kids? I mean, you'd been dating for six months. Had it come up? No, I mean... <sighs> To be honest, I can't actually remember if we had like that proper chat. Like I think we both eventually wanted kids, but it was so like still like honeymoon period that it wasn't really. <laughs> I was only 23 and Jake, he's four years older, so he was 27. So I guess it's, you know, not really the first thing you're going to jump into. You kind of think no. about, you know, engagement and marriage first and then maybe talking the kids sort of chat. But yeah. So Had you, um, I guess maybe that's a difficult question to answer, but back then when you've been dating for six months were you seeing you know that this could be a, a longer term relationship and you felt like he could be uh, a good you know father to your children oh no definitely I mean okay. yeah it was like even though it was only quite short like I guess when I did fall pregnant it was kind of like well at least I knew that he was a really supportive um, mm. partner and things like that so it you know, it wasn't like it was one of those honeymoon sort of flings and you're kind of six months in and then you kind of go, oh, you know, maybe that's not um, that. But, yeah, I could definitely see long-term sort of stuff. So I guess that's just the universe kind of being like it's going to work out. That Yeah, that is so good that it worked out. And, uh, yeah, what a yeah. what a dive. What a dive into motherhood. I mean, you said, <laughs> oh, I thought I'd be a mom at a younger age. Did you imagine yeah. 23 being young or did you imagine maybe 20, <gasps> I don't know, 25, 26, so on? Yeah, I probably, I mean, at that time in my life, I did not expect to be a mother. <laughs> but when I was a lot younger, I mean, talking maybe when I was like, you know, eight or nine, and you sort of think like, yeah, I'm going to be a young mum one day, yeah. <laughs> um, when you've got no real idea of what that looks yeah. like. So I guess I kind of, yeah, lived up to that in a way. But when I was, um, well, just before I fell pregnant, you know, I didn't expect that I would jump into motherhood so quickly, no. <laughs> So you were 23 and I think you're an exercise physiologist, you know, we've got that yep. in common as well. So you yes. you yep. not long finished your degree, right? Yeah, so I literally graduated, uh, what would have happened, at the end of 2015 yeah. and then got my first job out of uni in 2016 and then fell yep. pregnant with him like in late December of 2015. 15 so and then had him in the 24th of September 2016 so I just started this job and then they were about to put me full time and I had to kind of have the chat like I'd been hiding my pregnancy because I was like do I tell them do I not tell them (laughs) and then um yeah I think I told them at about 16 weeks because I was able to kind of conceal it quite a bit because I'm quite tall and then I was like look you know I know you're about to we were having an interview for them to kind of put me full-time and I was like look I probably should be honest here I am actually pregnant and you know I was you know I'd love to go full-time but I understand that that will probably change things now so yeah that was interesting kind of doing things a little bit backwards and wow yeah it's uh as you said I mean when it's a surprise it, it, it's just like oh you know yeah. like you, you just go oh but what about my job but what about this but what about you know, the house and but, but then as you yeah. said you know it, it probably was meant to be and everything fell yeah. into place and then you've got Charlie yeah. now so yeah things worked yeah. out obviously exactly <laughs> yeah. so like I can't imagine yeah how life would have panned out otherwise but um yeah. yeah it's just amazing though but at the time I was kind of like oh my gosh I've just got this job and you know just starting my career and now I'm pregnant like what does this all look like like it's just was a bit of a a whole um upside down shift to my world I guess <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it would have been. I mean, pregnancy is like, it is, it it usually shifts your world, even when you expect it. Mm. 
when you don't yes. and you've just started, you know, as you said, as, as a health professional and then you're settling into a relationship and you're getting, you know, you're getting into adulthood, then you're like, whoa, this is, yeah, this is a lot now. <laughs> well, yeah. So it forced me to grow up very quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would have. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know much about pregnancy, what to do in terms of, you know, model of care and stuff like that back then? No, not really. I mean, in uni, we touched very briefly on some of our like developmental things and like motor mm. control and things like that in kids. And that was probably about the most I'd sort of really thought about that was literally just through study and not even in that way at all of, you know, pregnancy or what that looks like in terms of continuity of care and all Mm. that sort of stuff. So, no, it was basically, I guess, my understanding would be you'd go to the hospital and you'd have your baby and that was that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good summary. (laughs) Yes, for most people, yes. What an experience that would have been. So how did you navigate? I'm guessing you went first to your GP and then you kind of relied on them to help you figure out what to do, where to go and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky that where we were living, so we were on the Gold Coast at the time and Mm -hmm. just down the road there was a GP and he was an ex-obstetrician. So I thought, okay, he'll be the right person to to go to and, you know, he seems like he's got good reviews. So I went there and initially I think I was only like five or six weeks and Mm. the first appointment we were kind of in that like time of like okay are we actually going to keep this baby like is this Mm -hmm. you know what we really want and so that first appointment we're actually going to go there to talk about options and things like that moving (laughs) forward and then um this GP was just like he was so lovely and he was an older um GP and he was just like congratulations you guys are going to be the best parents and I was kind of like okay so I guess we're doing this (laughs) so it was um that kind of made us kind of be like okay yep this is happening and then he knew the hospital system quite well obviously being um working through it and so yeah he was kind of like all right well you've got either Tweed Hospital or the Gold Coast Mm -hmm. Hospital which one do you want the referral to and I was like Tweed is closer I guess so (laughs) did that and then um yeah pretty much did uh what is the that model of care I think it was like shared GP care so he still Uh sort of saw me for pretty much my whole pregnancy and then obviously towards the end it was mostly just the midwives and then I think I had like a couple of check-ins with him late on during the pregnancy and then Mm -hmm. the rest was kind of yeah into the hospital public hospital system yeah yeah And, and I mean in shared care at least you had a GP that knew about pregnancy knew about tests and and things that you you can do or you can decline as well but and yes. at least he could he could tell you like what to expect uh maybe things to ask you know the midwives and and stuff whereas some GPs sometimes are a bit clueless about pregnancy they're kind of yeah. like oh I don't know about pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah, so no, it was good having him um, obviously quite experienced in that area. But yeah, I guess I didn't really know any different at the time. I never really, you know, being a 23-year-old, you don't really need a doctor all that often. And because I'd only just not long moved to the area that I was like, right, he will be the first one that I go to. And and he turned out pretty good. So, (laughs) Wow. So you've literally, so you just found out you're pregnant, you've moved to a new area, you don't know any GPs, you don't know anyone. Wow. Okay. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So that's how my journey started. <laughs> wow. How um during the pregnancy did you try to um inform yourself about what to expect, how to feel, uh, well, I mean not how to feel, but how you might feel, uh, the different, you know, the the tests, like uh, birthing mm-hmm. options. Did you did you do education 
around that? Yeah, so I guess I, that's one strength of mine is that I'm a serial researcher. So <laughs> yes, I did do a lot of research, but I feel like you can only read so many textbooks or yeah. you know look up so many things online until you go through it yourself. It's a whole different experience. But yeah, I guess I kind of knew I wanted to have like the most natural birth as I possibly could in the hospital system and started to look into, okay, what does that look like? So mm-hmm. like delayed cord clamping and things like that. Um, and then did want to have a water birth. So I guess I sort of just started, you know, yeah, searching Google pretty much yeah. <laughs> um, and doing a lot of that sort of stuff. And then the only other education that we did do, the when we got transferred to the hospital, they had a, um antenatal, like, uh, what do you call it, class. Yeah. So we did, uh, I think there was six weeks of that. So we did that oh, with yeah. the couple of the midwives. So that was good because, um, yeah, they were kind of more educating around like, okay, we got the tour of the hospital, like this is where you go. And mm-hmm. then obviously like the actual physiological stages of birth and that. So I, I think I kind of had researched that, but it was good for Jake to kind of come along and, um, you know, just see what it was all about as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty much how I kind of navigated that and researched and did that sort of yeah. stuff, yeah. And so from um, from an exercise perspective, did yeah. you know how to, I guess, stay active and what, you know, obviously as, as the belly gets bigger, you know, obviously your centre of gravity changes, did, did you know how to, I guess, modify, you know, your exercise routine? I'm assuming you were exercising <laughs> back then. <laughs> Could have started Yeah, there. yeah. No, so um, it was really good. The When I did get that job straight out of uni, um, I was working in a private physio practice that had reformer Pilates. So uh, that was yep. amazing. So I just, yeah, was basically continued carrying on through that, the whole pregnancy, and then obviously modified as I got into the later trimesters yep. and things like that. But I guess it's one of those things because I don't know about you and um, your degree, whether we did like very – surface level stuff for pregnancy and exercise prescription and that sort of thing it wasn't really a lot to kind of like I guess you kind of had to do further research or further studies into that to kind of you know feel confident with that but I guess it was kind of good having myself as a guinea pig (laughs) to kind of feel like okay this feels good this doesn't feel good um you know this is what's recommended this is not what's recommended so yeah it was kind of a bit of um you know I'd had the research, but then it was also like, okay, how does this feel for me? Is this feeling good? Am I enjoying this? And that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And see, I mean, I've had the exact same experience as you in terms of uni. It's like we touched on pregnancy, but we never actually really dived into it. And see, I was always fascinated by it. So I always did research. And then, as you said, you know, there's only so much you can read. And, and you read mm. the evidence and you understand it. But then when you've got an actual pregnant person in front of you, we know that some mm. people will get, for example, they will get uh, pubic symphysis pain, but other people won't get it at the same, yes. you know, at the same pregnancy stage. Um, so yeah. you know that, you know, you can learn about it. You can learn that, you know, you shouldn't do one-legged exercise, blah, 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 in the third trimester. But then you've got some women that are, they've got literally no pain. They've got no restrictions. Yeah. So it's it's very, as as we've learned, it's not one size fits all it's you learn mm. the evidence and the theory but then when you see the person sometimes it can yeah. look very different oh definitely yeah and that was kind of what it was for me like I guess I was lucky I carried really um well with Charlie and I like a lot of things I was still really quite comfortable doing I yeah. didn't really like even towards the end stages like I mean obviously I modified a little bit but 
it wasn't as much as what I thought I would have to, given, uh-huh. you know, some of the theory stuff that I'd had read. I guess I was lucky that, yeah, my body just really responded well to pregnancy. And, yeah, I, I was lucky I pretty much had a pain-free pregnancy in terms of no aches or pains, no nothing. So, oh, yeah, that go. was amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, we know that staying active during pregnancy also helps. But in saying that, oh, you've got definitely. examples of women that stay active all throughout their pregnancy and they still get – you know, they still get backache, they get SI joint pain, uh, they get pubic symphysis pain. So, I mean, pains and eggs, you know, to yep. be expected, uh, but not everyone will yeah. have them. So, yeah, no, case exactly. by case. Really. So that was, yeah, I was kind of a bit shocked because I remember in that antenatal class that I was in, I think there was about eight other mothers and all of them are kind of like, you know, towards the end, they're like, oh, I'm just feeling so heavy and I've got all this pain and I'm just kind of like dancing around, like, I feel great, this is good. And they're like, oh, my God. Mind you, like, I probably was a lot younger. Like, I think I was like 10 or 15 years younger than some of these women. So age also really helps, I think. Mm. I think it does. Yeah, I really think it does. It. Uh, mm. I mean, how would you know any different? I mean, if you had maybe a child early on and then a child maybe later on, mm. but lots of factors. But well, yeah, I can they, tell they... you between Charlie and Daisy's pregnancy, I definitely noticed those six years difference. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that then. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, so you felt amazing. You stayed active. Um, you educated yourself. So what happened in the days and I guess weeks leading up to Charlie's birth? How was that? Yeah, no, that was really great. Like I literally worked right up until I think 38 weeks. Um, so, you know, life was pretty much just continuing on as per normal. Didn't really have to cut down too much on work was pretty much working. Yeah. Full time right up until then. And then that two weeks, like that, I obviously went on maternity leave and then I just kind of was at this point, like I didn't know what to do with myself. And then, you you know, I was so busy with work and that, and then it kind of went into like, okay, I'm going to be a serial nester and, you know, getting all that sort of sorted. And then, yeah, I was also sort of at that point where I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't really know at what point to expect to go into labor, you know, like they Mm -hmm. say any time from sort of like 38 weeks or some people say 36 weeks or whatever. So you're kind of like, well, I could technically have a baby at any time now. So yeah, you know, you're just kind of preparing yourself and you're just kind of tuning into your body and like, am I feeling anything different? What's up? Um, But yeah, so those couple of weeks leading into it, I guess were, it was, it's a very interesting time. Like it's, you Mm -hmm. know, you're anticipating Baba's arrival and then, you know, you're also kind of like you've got all this time and you're like, okay, what am I going to do? And, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting time. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much nesting you can do and it usually takes yeah. you like maybe a few days at most and then yeah. you've got like two weeks up your sleeve and you're like, mm-hmm, okay, well, I mean, today, so I've, <laughs> I've cleaned the toilet, I've gone on a walk, yeah. I've made dinner for the freezer, um, yeah. I've had a nap, what next? Like, yeah. Exactly. So no, it was very much like that kind of, yeah, almost like Groundhog Day. And it's like, okay, now I'm just waiting for this baby. It's imminent arrival. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I found, I found her waiting as well to be a bit of a limbo time where like, especially mm. when you're on maternity leave. So you, in a sense, got nothing to do really. I mean, yeah. I had nothing to yeah. do personally. And, and, yeah. and you're yeah. like, okay, so I could have this baby now. Uh, and then I was like, well, the house is prepped like I don't I don't know what else to do I've cleaned everything you know and you're just sitting around going okay am I feeling oh oh is that something oh no no that that wasn't it no okay (laughs) yeah yeah no it's a really interesting time isn't it and I kind of guess you it's almost like we don't know what to do with ourselves when we're not busy it's yeah yeah 
a very <laughs> strange yeah it's I, I can't explain it I guess it's just that void of time <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly how I felt and and I was the same because I'm like yeah. you know society tells you you need to be busy you know women need to be busy yeah. multitasking you know blah 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 they need to be working and then it's like you go on maternity leave and and you're like okay I'm, I'm going on maternity leave because well you know I need to finish work uh and then I need yep. to have this baby at some point and the the time that you know, as you said, you finished at thirty-eight. I mean, you can have a baby at forty-two weeks. That's a whole yeah, month. Exactly. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. If we don't have work, I feel like we just go okay. And especially when you don't have other children, like it's your first. Because mm. if you have other yeah. children, then it's like okay, well, I'll be full time, you know, caring for them, or you know, they'll go to daycare yeah. or whatever. Uh, but when yeah. you've only got yourself and your partner, you're like, cool. The house is clean. Yep nice <laughs> what else to do? and I found it um, yeah. I don't know about you but I found it also really really uh, just limbo because well my partner was going to work and I was just home doing nothing yeah and I'd be like yeah this just doesn't feel right I don't know <laughs> something just doesn't feel right here yeah I can't even remember when Jake actually finished um work and had some time off I don't think he finished as early as me I think he kind of maybe because he was shift working at the time so yeah oh, I think yeah. he was sort of like pretty much right up until the due date sort of working and then I think maybe the couple of days before he'd had that off and then that was his time off so yeah at least that <laughs> was those couple of days but yeah otherwise I know what you mean you kind of just on your own and you're like this is very foreign I don't know what to do and then obviously all my other friends would be at work and you're kind of like okay I can't just call up and be like hey come have lunch come have a coffee like (laughs) so yeah and I'm guessing your friends would have been around the same age as you so not having children yet is that (laughs) right correct yeah so that was really interesting to see obviously once I'd had Charlie how like those dynamics and friendships kind of shifted because yeah you know I knew I had very little um, to do with, yeah, my friends having babies and things like that. So I probably wouldn't have known how to support a new mum or, you know, what to do with that too. So that's, yeah, a whole other side of motherhood too. It's very interesting. So you were ready for Charlie. Mm -hmm. Did you go into spontaneous labour with him? Yes, I did. So I kind of got to, um, I had a midwife appointment on the Friday. So this must have been on the 23rd. 3rd of September and his technical due date was the 25th and I remember the midwife was like okay you know everything's looking great you know all's going well but if you do go over into next week I'm going to get you to book in with the obstetrician to talk about um the next sort of stage and induction and things like Mm -hmm. that and I was like oh wow this is you know I'm not even at due date and I was sort of already mentioning that and I was like um okay well I'm going to try and have this baby over the weekend because that's just not an option (laughs) and she's like you know go home set the mood get the oxytocin flowing and you know that that'll bring on baby and I was like okay so that's what we tried to do we we went home we tried to have a romantic little date night which you know was burgers on a a nice lookout by candlelight (laughs) so I was like well this this will do and then um yeah, we got home that night and then what happened next? Yeah, I basically, we went to bed and then I got up and then I kind of like stood up out of bed and then I my water's broke and I was like, oh, did I just wee myself or was that like wow. my water's breaking? And then, yeah, like was kind of 
in obviously hadn't experienced that before so I was like right oh well I better just call the hospital and just let them know um and they were quiet on the wards and we only lived three minutes away from the hospital so she was like just come in and we'll just double check that it's you know the fluids that have um broken and we'll we'll just have a look and test and whatever else and she's like how are you feeling otherwise and I was like yeah I'm fine like no contractions no nothing nothing's changed so um yeah that was at about 11 o'clock on the Friday night that that happened and then we went to the hospital, they'd confirmed, yep, okay, it's definitely the waters have broken um, and they're like, well, if you're not feeling anything else then you may as well go home, go home and get some rest and, you know, in the morning come back and we'll just see where you're at with everything and we'll work out a plan from there. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> went home and then tried to go to sleep and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel like I'm getting cramping and it's like, oh, there's something happening and then, you know, it slowly started to to ramp up and you know that so-called sleep I was going to have just didn't happen (laughs) so yeah it sort of just started yeah spontaneously like that and then we pretty much stayed at home until about 5am and things started to get Mm -hmm. pretty intense Um, that's when I with Charlie as soon as I sort of started to get my first lot of like after it went from sort of cramping to more contractions and surges I started to throw up and Mm -hmm. that was one thing that I was not prepared for at all. And I hate vomiting. Mm -hmm. I'm not a vomiter. (laughs) Um, And so I all of a sudden was running to the toilet, you know, throwing up and then also started to have it from the other end and diarrhea. And then, you know, things were starting to intensify and I'm like, what Mm. is going on? I'm not prepared for this. So I remember calling, you know, the midwife unit again because they give you this hotline to call. Well, it goes directly to the actual midwives in that hospital. And they were like, no, that's great. You know, things are progressing really well. You're doing great. And I was like, what do you mean I'm doing great? I'm throwing up and I've got diarrhea and I've also got labour pains. Like, this is not great. I'm not expecting this. Like, (laughs) So, yeah, and by this point it's, you know, it must have been probably between two and three in the morning. And so I hate vomiting. So I go to Jake. I'm like, Jake, I need you to go to 7-Eleven and get me some Gatorade. That was the only thing I could think of that would, you know, be somewhat helpful and he you know I think 7-Eleven is literally like by the time you drive down there it's no more than a minute drive and it felt like when he left it felt like he was gone for hours and I remember I ran the bath because I was like I just need something to just kind of chill me out I was in the bath and yeah he was probably he reckons he was gone for like five maybe ten minutes tops and I reckon it felt like an hour and I was just like as soon as he got back I'm like we have to go so we um yeah packed up and went to the hospital and lucky we're obviously quite close so this is pretty much the sun is rising at this point and I remember when we went to antenatal class the midwives were like now there's a specific spot you've got to park you know don't park an emergency or get a parking fine and you know if you come in after hours like so it was still technically after hours so we did have to present to emergency first and Mm -hmm. then Jake was like oh well we can't park here um so I better we better go and park around the back and it was like the longest walk of my life and I was like I, hindsight he should have just dropped me off but then I kind of didn't want to go in on my own mm. I wanted him to come with yeah. me so he's like okay and then there was like no car parks anywhere so we parked all the way around the back of this hospital and then I remember just kind of you know being quite livid at this point and was like oh my god I can't I can't even and then it was such a long walk and then when I got into emergency and um you know they phoned up the maternity ward and they were like yep no we, we know she's coming yep send her up and then as you're going up to this ward there's like 
50,000 stairs. <laughs> I think I, I don't know how many contractions I had up along the stairs, but the midwife said wow. to me as soon as I actually got up there, she's like, you know, we watch on camera as women are coming into the unit, um, how many contractions they have up those stairs and if we're going to send them home or not. And she's like, so how many contractions did you have? It looks like you're quite intense and, you know, things are starting to happen. And I was like, yeah, a few and, I'm, you know, I'm here and I'm kind of like in this state of, you know, still I think I had a towel wrapped around my, my um, body. I don't think I had any pants on at this point and we're literally walking you know, up along, I don't know if you're ever familiar, but Tweed Heads Hospital is right on the Tweed River and there's literally mm-hmm. people walking their dogs, going for their morning walk and we pulled up. I've got a towel wrapped around me. I don't even know what top I had on, probably just whatever I threw on and I'm kind of moaning and groaning and, you know, doing yes. this walk into the hospital. So God only knows what those poor people walking their dogs in the morning were thinking. <laughs> So, and, um, so, so they don't do elevators at, at Tweed Head. They have to have stairs. I mean, it's helpful well, for labour. But... I don't know. I didn't get the option, so I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm sure they do have an elevator option, but I think they just like to try and, you know, get women to get baby to drop that little bit lower from the stairs. So, oh, great. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yep. So, no, that definitely sped things up for me, that's for sure. Yeah, I could only then, imagine at this point. And then, yeah, we got there and things were pretty intense by that point, but then they sort of did slow up. So, yeah, we arrived mm. at about 5.30 a.m. This is now on the Saturday. And, yeah, it was just kind of riding out the surges, doing really well. I had a student midwife as well with me. Oh, nice. So um, she had calm. And then other, otherwise in the early couple of hours, I really didn't see the other midwives at all. Mm. They were just kind of popping in. Oh, how's everything going? I'm like, yep, yeah, good, I think. Like, <laughs> you know, just kind of going, going on through. And, yeah, I guess I probably got into the bath pretty early with Charlie and that probably was to my detriment. Um, because that kind of really stalled things. Yeah, and then from there I could kind of see I, uh, it's this weird thing. Like I was in the pool, things were kind of stalling, and then they were like, okay, we'll get out, we'll have you on the monitor because they thought Charlie was having a deceleration. And then they were like, okay, we'll have to go to the bath for this, blah, blah, blah. You might be able to get back in the bath after. But then once I got out, like it just kind of, yeah, I don't know, like it sort of stalled for a bit and then I was on the bed trying to ride through some contractions. And then the other thing as well that I should mention, I wanted my mum there for my birth and she was travelling up from Sydney and Sydney to Tweed Heads is about 10 hours or more if that's wow. if you don't stop. <laughs> if you don't um, stop, and- oh, yes. Yeah. So they had left on Friday afternoon and they were going to stop. Their plan was to stop and stay halfway. And then I messaged mum that night. I was like, oh, my waters have broken. Um, You know, nothing's happened. The hospital's told me to go home. And then, you know, like, I'm like, don't worry. Like, it's all fine. Um, And then she got this motherly motherly instinct and intuition in the morning to get up at like 4am and she's like will we've got to like my dad she's like we've got to go we've got to just start driving so they started driving and then they were literally on this race against the clock so at this point Jake has like you know been in communication with them saying like we're at the hospital things are happening blah mm-hmm. blah blah by this point you know I've had to get out of the bath and I think mum just got there just as they got me out of the bath and the wow. midwives were like you've just been waiting for your mum haven't you and then as soon as mum got there then things started to like just take off again and um, yeah then my dad was actually there as well because he just dropped mum off and he was kind of like well do I stay do I go and I was like I don't care like whatever and so at this point I'm on the bed they've got me on the monitor and I'm pretty much in like you know active labor like Nelly about to push sort of thing Mm -hmm. and so mum's literally got there at probably about 
11 o'clock and yep. I ended up having Charlie at 12 o'clock or 12, 18. Um, so wow. it was very quick from then getting there. And then, yeah, dad was kind of like, well, I may as well just stay and wait then. So my mum and my dad were in the room um, and, Dave, nice? and then we had the student midwife. <laughs> yeah. So it was quite a bit wow. of a crowd there. And then, yeah, I remember being on the bed. I guess that was one thing I didn't really research too much, which, you know, I'll speak into as I talk about Daisy's birth, but kind of didn't do enough research on birthing positions. I guess I had been put in this situation. I'm kind of at the point where I'd been laboring. I obviously was still quite a short labor, but um, I was pretty exhausted not having any sleep mm. that night. And so by the time it's, we've sort of hit that point, they're kind of saying that I'm failing to progress. I've got to get out of the pool. But yeah, the birth pool, come up onto the bed. Mm. And I just kind of was like, okay, whatever. I was at that point, like, just do whatever. I don't care. I just want this baby out. <laughs> and so I'm on the bed and then they were like, well, you know, I think you're starting to like, you know, they were starting to kind of coach me through pushing and breathing through mm -hmm. each contraction. And then I had a midwife on either one of my legs. I had, they had like that big mirror in front of me so I could see, cause I was like, do you want to see? And I was like, yep, that'll give me, you know, like when I see the head, like, you know, inspiration to push. Yeah. And yeah, obviously knowing now like birthing on my back is not a great birthing position <laughs> and it kind of the pushing stage, I think ended up going for about, I'm going to say maybe 40 minutes. Um, okay. And <laughs> I feel like when Charlie finally started to crown, like it just took forever in that like ring of fire. <laughs> and I was just sitting in that being like, oh my God. And, you know, we wanted some photos and stuff taken and the midwives were like, okay, Jake, get down near the head. And they're like taking photos. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Like I'm sitting in this ring of fire and you're taking photos. I was like, get this baby out of me. And she was just like, looked at me and she was like, oh no, honey, you've got to wait for the next contraction. And I'm like, oh my God, like just, I'm just sitting in this and I'm like, oh, and then so I, you know, I'm by this point just trying to do anything I can. So I push like as hard as I could and then yeah. he came out and um, in the process I tore quite badly <laughs> you know it wasn't the nicest yes. experience there but I was very lucky that I had yeah no interventions um, mm. and then I had a natural physiological third stage as well mm. um, with the placenta I didn't have the what's the injection that they give you the, the Pitocin? For the placenta, yeah. Well, I didn't have that. So I um, had a nice. physiological third stage and the placenta came out pretty much like half an hour after I had Charlie. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess being a first-time mum, I didn't realise how rare this was to kind of navigate that hospital system and have an intervention-free birth. <laughs> um, really? Wow. Yeah. So apparently now that I've been speaking to a lot more women, they're like, how? Like, I don't understand. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I just thought that was the norm and that's what you do. Yeah, and but I mean, yeah. in your case, like there was at no point, does it sound like you needed an intervention? Like, it no. Didn't sound and I guess, like... yeah, the only closest thing I could, and I can kind of see where it could have potentially gone into that cascade of intervention when they got me out of the bath and when they wanted me to go on the monitor because mm -hmm. they were worried... Um, about him going into fetal distress turns out when they put the monitor on it was just a deceleration and everything was fine but I could see how that could have quite easily gone into okay you're failing to progress we're going to get you out of the bath and then you know if I was in that pushing stage any longer there probably could have been you know more push for okay maybe we'll need to do an episiotomy or you know whatever else it might have been but um yeah I was really grateful and lucky that I am a pretty determined person and when someone says I need to get this baby out like I will do it <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good. I think that definitely, that mindset definitely helped make that happen. Wow. So how, how did you feel? You know, Charlie is on you. How, how are you feeling? Um, <laughs> how is Jake feeling as well, I guess? So I was in a, like, I've got this photo of me literally as I've 
like just getting I think the midwife had passed him to me or Jake I don't know if Jake or the midwife can't quite remember um, but anyway someone's passed me and uh, passed me him and put him on my chest and I've just mm-hmm. got this like awkward hands didn't know what to do I've got this like real weird look on my face I'm like there's this slippery baby on me like this is like what is happening right now like I was kind mm-hmm. of in shock that it, you know I just like this thing had come out of me and then it was just, I can't even describe it. I was just in such shock, I think, that it was like a bit surreal to be like, oh my God, I've got this baby and now this is my responsibility. Like it was just yeah, very, a very, very surreal moment of that point in time. Yeah. I just can't even wow. put that into words. And that photo literally just says it all. It's like, yeah, I've kind of got this like real shock look on my face. I'm like, <laughs> So what do um, I do now? Yeah. And then I remember like, so from the reading and research that I'd done, I knew that I wanted to do delayed cord clamping. I knew I wanted skin to skin straight away after. Mm-hmm. So I had that all written down on a birth plan and the midwives um, really respected that. And yeah, I basically got all those, that all went to plan. And then, yeah, he mm-hmm. came straight over onto my chest. We had skin to skin and then he pretty much did the breast crawl. Oh, nice. um, and I was kind of just, yeah, it was really interesting. Like, I just guess you just kind of let your intuition take over and then obviously baby's intuition kicks in and they know how to find the breast and they do that breast crawl, which is just, it's amazing that they have that innate wisdom and ability to do so. Yeah, like it it was just a really interesting time. And then also I remember the midwives, I think I was lucky that they were quite hands-off. I know some people Mm -hmm. have experienced where like the midwives are trying to get the baby to latch right on your boob and they're trying to hold their head and it Mm. kind of takes that you know, that baby's awareness away Mm. from actually finding the boob themselves. So, yeah, I was really lucky that, yeah, they just sort of let me do my thing. And then from that point, I feel like it was just really crazy because then I literally had so many people come and visit me in hospital. Like it was (laughs) then Jake's parents came like literally a couple of hours after and, you know, that happened and then um yeah obviously my mum and dad were still in the room and then I think my auntie and my cousin came I think my nan came like it was just this real like it's just crazy like it's so overwhelming like I think about it now and I'm like oh my god like that is just so full-on to have just gone through what you've gone through and then just have all these people come in and you know want to see you want to see the baby and Yeah. yeah like it was I just guess I didn't really know any better or kind of prepare I was kind of just like, yeah, whatever, like, come if you want. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> just this real blasé mindset about everything, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and that's, um, I think that's where, when we had the COVID, you know, and the lockdowns and that, mm. um, that's where a lot of people then in, in, in disguise, that was a blessing. Just that part, obviously not oh. the whole COVID thing. Um, yeah. Because it was like, yeah. oh, you can't have visitors. And for some people, yeah. I mean, for some people, they they want to have visitors straight away. But for others, sometimes it's hard to say no, especially to your family. Yeah. Like they want to come straight away, and Definitely. you kind of you kind of not really want to say no. But then, yeah, like you kind of think if you could wait, it wouldn't be that bad, you know. Yeah. And so, no. And I mean, with those restrictions, it was like, ah, well, you can't come anyway. <laughs> So, yeah and, yeah so and just because definitely you know, was a positive for sure yeah and and just because like, as you said you've gone through so much emotionally mm. like you need to process yeah. that you know your yeah. pregnancy's over you've got your baby and now you're you're a mom uh you've got to navigate you know early early motherhood early postpartum and and obviously you're exhausted um you might have you know maybe tears you you might be in pain um you might yeah. want to rest you know just having people <laughs> is is draining really yeah definitely no and so 
I guess I didn't really, the one thing I guess with Charlie too, I didn't really prepare at all for postpartum. Um, okay. You know, I didn't know what it would look like in terms of visitors, how I wanted, you know, that to play out. I literally had, we were living in a two bedroom unit. And so after I got, I think I spent two days in hospital. And then when I got home, I still had my mum, my dad, and then my nan also staying there. So nan was sleeping in the lounge room. Mum and dad were in the spare room and me and Jake were in our room. And it was only a two bedroom unit. Like it was just oh, wow. full on. and I think about it now and I'm like wow like how did I cope with all of that like I mean I was just lucky that you know mum and that were amazing um, amazing helpers and you know obviously stepping into that early stage of motherhood it was great to have them there and you know mum cooked and did all that so I didn't have to worry about that but at the same time it was pretty overwhelming because you know you've got people in your space too and you don't really have that time to to connect with just you and baby and I remember it was really hard like when mum did eventually leave after I think she stayed with me for two weeks I really found it hard like going from all of a sudden having all these people there to then just being me and baby that was kind of when it was like Mm. oh my god like this is real life like I'm the only one who is here now and looking after this baby like I'm in charge of this baby's life like that I guess was kind of I remember I said to mum I was like I don't want you to leave I I can't do I can't do this (laughs) um and then so I think she ended up staying a little bit longer like she extended a couple of days and then I managed to be like okay no I think I've got this like I can be okay and then it was okay but yeah it was a really interesting time yeah and as you said you you just need that time when you you Mm. come back from hospital or you have your baby at home you know whatever the situation is you need time whether that's your first or that's your third you need time to find your marks to connect with baby to find uh you know all babies are different you need to find you know um what what helps to settle my baby what seems to trigger them what's you know you you need to figure out obviously feeding naps yeah and having your space and just just finding you know like your way is so important as you said you had you had everyone there first so you're kind of like okay well at least you know mom's cooking and 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 they're great because you know your mom and your nan you know they've been moms themselves so so, yeah obviously that's that's great but then they leave and you're like I don't know how to do things on my own now yeah exactly yeah so that was really interesting and then yeah I think Jake had two weeks off and then he went back to work so then I was like right it's just me and baby like this I was totally spun out into that overwhelm but I think it was only for a couple of days and then I was like you know what I've got this I'm okay I can do this and yeah obviously I did six years on kept him alive so that's great (laughs) yeah you have yeah amazing let's let's celebrate that (laughs) every year I've kept him alive for another year (laughs) yes yes no but it's amazing though how your mother's intuition does develop and I pretty quickly found out I didn't want to take too much, like even having mum and nan there in that initial part, you know, they would say things like, oh, back when I was, you know, I had your, um, you, I used to do this and you did this. And Mm -hmm. it was really hard to kind of say, okay, well, you know, that worked for them, but that's not really how I want to do things. Or, you know, like you have all these people throwing these solutions at you when something inside of me was kind of like, "Mm, no, I don't actually agree with that. Or, you know, I don't think I want to go down that path or whatever it might've been. So I think I was lucky that I guess my intuition really kicked in and that really kind of was evident when I had this six week, what do you call it? Maternal health nurse appointment. Mm -hmm. I remember I went there, I hadn't been to this particular clinic before. It wasn't obviously attached to the hospital. It was kind of this like own little health unit thing. And I went to this appointment and this lady, I think she was a 
I don't know if she was a midwife or one of the child health nurses. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, she was starting, like, so my baby's six weeks old and she was starting to be like, okay, we're going to start looking at sleep training and what are you doing? You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm feeding my baby to sleep. That seems to be working pretty Mm -hmm. well. He's sleeping well. And she's like, oh, no, we can't get into that habit. Um, We're going to have to start sleep training. And so she gives me this, like, handout about sleep training. And then she's like, okay, and, you know, what else is going on? You know, otherwise he's healthy and well, blah, blah, blah. And then I was, oh, that's right. My mum was coming back for a visit and she goes, okay, so just make sure that when your mum's here that she doesn't hold him too much, that, you know, he doesn't want to get too spoiled and this and that. And I was just like, is this woman for real? Like it just rang up all these alarm bells and I was like, okay, no, this is not how I started mothering. Mm. And I was like, I don't agree with what you're saying. I kind of was in this really interesting point. So I came home from that appointment kind of feeling a bit deflated, being like, oh, okay, well, whatever I've been doing, obviously my baby's not doing well Mm -hmm. and this is not what I'm supposed to do. And then I started to like look at that sheet and, you know, Charlie was sort of a bit unsettled. So I'm like, all right, I'll try some of the things she said. And I remember doing it for like one of his naps and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. I'm just Mm going to give him the boob and he'll just fall asleep. And, you know, that was that. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I never went back to any more of those appointments. I was like, that just, I can't even. (laughs) I was like, I don't agree with anything that you're telling me that just feels really wrong with me and my body and my baby and I yeah I'm just lucky that I had that strong intuition kind of kick in whereas I feel like yeah that's where I've sort of seen and you know even now with some of my other mum friends especially first-time mums as they're sort of like going through their journey I'm kind of their fallback person because obviously I had babies a lot earlier than them that they're kind of like oh I'm going through this what's going on blah 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 they said this and I'm just like what do you think what like you got to, you're the person who knows you and your body and your baby best, like just trust that. And I was just so shocked at how many people didn't have that same trust within themselves. So yeah, I I kind of really praise myself on, on having that and really being able to trust that what I was doing was working, that it was fine for me and bub and, you know, he was healthy. He was well, we're doing all the right things. He was feeding really well. Yeah. So I can see how Mm. women can kind of fall into that pattern and then you know that can also lead had I sort of listened to that sleep training sort of thing you know maybe that could have inhibited my breast milk supply and things like that if I was kind of doing this weird like shushing and patting or whatever it was (laughs) instead of feeding to sleep or feeding oh that's right and she wanted me to start routine feeding and not demand feeding as I was and I was like that could have been so detrimental to my supply and all that sort of thing Mm. had I have actually stuck to that and Mm. you can see how some women's breastfeeding journeys end early because of you know Mm. some advice you know that might work well for some women for sure but for others Mm. that could be you know extremely detrimental so yeah it's just crazy that's really interesting (laughs) yeah and and I think it's the same thing you mentioned with you know your mom or your nan giving you advice and saying oh you know I did that with your mom I did that with you there's a lot of advice that you know some you know some parents some midwives even or some maternal child health nurse have learned that I think are really outdated and I don't know if they know that it's outdated (laughs) I'm not sure yeah but and and that's the problem you know like because as you said you know as a first-time mom obviously you don't know what you don't know and you want to rely on you know you want to take in advice you want to go oh okay yeah you've done that okay that worked and and because you know you you just want to try things and when people like you know that nurse tells you oh you need to do sleep training you need to do like you know schedule feeding then you go you (laughs) you obviously didn't think 
oh, yeah, I need to do that. But some first-time moms would because they go, well, yeah. you're a health professional. You obviously yeah, know, you know best. more than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah. well, as, as you said, it's about your intuition what feels right, mm. but also what works for you. Because as you said, you know, it's yeah. training. It has mm. a time and a place, I think, yeah. but not at six weeks. At six weeks, we no. know that <laughs> you born needs the mom, yeah. obviously, and they need yeah. to be close to you and they need to mm -hmm. contact nap and they need to feed all the time because their stomach is small. We know that. You know, if if you came to that nurse and you said, oh, I'm going back to work soon and I'm feeding my baby to sleep right now and I need to find something else because soon that baby's going to be at daycare and obviously yeah. they can't feed the baby to sleep at daycare. Yeah. Uh, what can you, you know, what can I do? Then that would have been mm. a different story. It could have been like, oh, yeah, you can try shushing, you can try this, you can try padding, you know. Yeah. There it could have had, you know, time and a place at, yeah, at a different place. age. Yeah. But without any, you know, unsolicited advice, basically, yeah. uh, when yeah. your baby's doing well and you're not asking mm. for anything, is yeah. not, and, and especially as a newborn, we know that, I, I spoke about it mm. in another episode, we know that um, African cultures and Middle Eastern cultures where they have the baby on them, they, they carry the baby, the, the baby is always... In, in arms or in a sling yeah. or, or in, a, in a carrier. And we know that those babies yeah. are so settled. They, yeah. you know, the moms have great milk supplies um, and, mm. you know, everyone is happy really because the baby is, you know, it's a continuation of the womb basically. The baby is just mm. on on the skin, can hear, you know, can obviously feel the, the heartbeat, can feel the warmth, uh, can feed yeah. when, when needed. And, and we know that's, that's the best approach. And I feel like as a Western society, we have a lot to learn from those cultures and we're oh, just definitely. starting to implement things like caring baby, yeah. which is yeah. a, a lifesaver no. really. And it's so yeah. good. No. And that's, yeah, definitely. It's too now with Daisy, like having followed a lot of those practices and things that you've just mentioned then it's been such a different experience and she is actually like the best baby in the world. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> compared to yeah what I sort of was just trial and error with Charlie and trying to work stuff yeah. out and obviously we we found our groove but um yeah he was not a, a settled bub but then I guess I probably yeah. was a little bit stressed out and you know as as you can be as a first-time mum and when yeah. new things pop up and arise and you know babies pick up and amplify that sort of stressy yeah. energy so um yeah it was interesting to sort of see even though overall like he was still a really good baby as well mm. but now comparing the two it's like yeah I've just got this wonderful baby it's just amazing <laughs> yeah and I think yeah. uh because because I hear that a lot and I think it's also you know obviously as a first-time mom you're finding your marks because even when even when you educate yourself when you read the books when you ask you know your, your friends your mom you know you try and get as much advice as you can it doesn't beat having your baby in, in your hands really because mm. yeah all no. babies are different so you know whatever worked for you know your friend's baby might not work for your baby they might have a totally different personality one might have colic yeah. one not <laughs> uh one might have you know like reflux um one might just they might just hate being put down <laughs> like you know yeah. that's that's just babies yeah. they're, they're just different exactly. right and so yeah you can't I, I feel like you can only prepare so much like obviously you can learn you can you can ask people but then it's as you said I think it's trial and error but I feel like when it's your second one 
somehow you've just got more confidence, even though all babies yeah. are different, but you kind of go, well, I mean, I made it <laughs> with the first <laughs> one, so something worked, yeah. <laughs> so I could do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's the other thing. Now, having had that six-year gap, like you obviously grow a lot as a person mm. through motherhood and then, you know, obviously the time too, it's – I honestly couldn't imagine having babies close together. Like I think yeah. – the way I've done it, it just seemed to have like really suited us and where we were at with life. And yeah, I just couldn't imagine having a toddler and then also a newborn. Like I take my hat off to women who <laughs> manage to have close and small gaps and things like that. But for me, yeah. I just look at them and think like, nah, I could not deal. And Charlie was quite a high maintenance baby as well. So I was yeah. like, nah, there was no way like his attention would have gone to a new baby from him. Like it was just, yeah, he yeah. was not ready for that. So hence yeah. the gap. <laughs> Yeah, no, interesting. How was your postpartum? So, you know, physically, mentally, how how did you navigate it? Yeah, so I guess it was like, it was pretty good, you know, feeding and everything. Like we never had any breastfeeding issues. He literally, mm-hmm. as soon as he lapsed, like he was a great feeder. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a pretty good sleeper too. Overall, like, yeah, pretty good baby. You know, healing wise, having had the tears, like obviously that took a couple of weeks, but yeah, I pretty much just, I guess like, you know, I was young, I bounced back pretty quick. I probably didn't honor my postpartum period in terms of actually resting. I was pretty like, you know, all right, I've had my baby like a week later, I'm done going for a walk, getting coffee, you know, like, whereas (laughs) I I just can't, yeah, couldn't fathom doing that now after had, well, when I had Daisy, like it was, yeah, two whole different things. And the more I sort of learned about that postpartum period and how that actually affects your healing and obviously all that sort of stuff, I really wanted to honour that a lot more the second time around. I guess that yeah. was one area that I kind of neglected a lot. And the other thing that happened in our postpartum period was I, like, I was pretty fine, um, but Jake actually ended up having a bit of postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. And I think that was um, due to the fact that we were still quite early on in our relationship and I went from, you know, him having all the attention and it was almost like the, like a second child sort of thing when, when I sort of look at it is, you know, he went from having all of me and then, you know, we're still in this new relationship, still all, you know, we're figuring things out to then I've got this baby, well, we've got this mm. baby and, yeah. you know, all my attention and sh- like focus has shifted to that. And so he kind of felt quite neglected and kind of a little bit mm. resentful towards Charlie for that um, first yeah. part of you know, postpartum period. And it was really quite amazing that, you know, he actually did speak up about it. It was like, this is what I'm actually Mm. feeling. I'm starting to have these sort of, you know, bad thoughts that I shouldn't be having. And so, yeah, so that was really interesting. I guess I didn't really think too much. And that's the other thing is we kind of do neglect the partners as well. Like, you know, they've obviously, they go through a lot too. And I guess that was one thing I didn't really, you know, know that that could be an issue or things could pop up like that. So we managed to yeah get him through that point. And as Charlie got older and, you know, he sort of stepped into fatherhood a bit more, it kind of became a little bit easier. And yeah, we obviously got him some, some help and things like that. So yeah, it just, I think that's important to mention too, because I think, yeah. you know, we obviously put so much focus too on the women, but you know, the men also do go through quite a bit um as well coming into fatherhood so yeah yeah definitely and 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 see i'm so glad Uh, i hope jake is okay with this being mentioned obviously Um, yeah yeah no he he talks about it he likes to try and get get it out there and you know wants to make sure that other men are aware of you know if they are having these kind of feelings that it is normal well it's not normal but um it can happen um exactly and you know to look out for that sort of 
thing popping up and I guess that's one other thing you know there's that whole stigma around men's mental health yeah, they're meant to be the strong point. ones holding it together for everybody um yeah. but that's not always the case for some people and yeah no exactly so. and it and it doesn't have to be and that's that's the thing with so mental health in itself is like taboo you know we don't want to say mm. that we're not doing okay we don't want to say that there there could be a problem or there is a problem uh but then when it yeah. comes to men that's that's even like even more taboo mm. somehow because as you yeah. said they they have to be strong they have to be you know the alpha male whatever that is yeah. um and and we don't talk about it and and I'm really glad you're mentioning it because yeah postnatal depression mm-hmm. it can affect the partner whether that's yeah. you know it's a it's it's a man or it's a woman it can affect the partner as well because it's a big transition even yeah. if um even if it is your second or third child you can still have postnatal depression because it's about finding finding your your place in the mm-hmm. family in the expanded yep. family um and that can be really hard and as you said you know with Jake you you hadn't been together that long and and he had your attention and then he didn't and yeah. and it's yep. it's a big transition to become a dad obviously like mm. he you know you're obviously doing all the feeding and all of that but i mean he's also taking care of of Charlie and he's like yeah. Oh, okay. This is this is a, a small baby, and then it comes with yeah. a lot of responsibilities. And it's newborn stage is really hard too, especially it's for the males. Like knowing that they they don't have boobs and they can't, they feel kind of <laughs> I, the way Jake used to describe it was like he's like I just feel useless to an extent. He's like I can cuddle the baby and that, but it doesn't settle. Yeah. And as soon as he goes to you and goes on the boob, it's like ah, oh, that's the yeah. magic cure. So yeah. you know, I think that was quite hard for him as well, realizing that you know he wanted to help and he was there, but yeah, he didn't. Have have what Charlie was wanting at that time oh yeah and see that's um that's challenging but as you said you know there is there is help there is help out there mm. for the partners yeah. who yes yeah. they didn't have the baby but they've also got you know we experience a drop in hormones you know after labor so can mm. the partners and no one talks yeah. about that but but so can yeah. they even though they haven't given birth yes but they are sleep deprived they are trying to find this their place um they are trying to you know help they are trying to find what's going to settle baby um that's you know it is as important as the birthing mom's mental health obviously and there is now there is a lot more community mental health services available for the parents not just for yep. the mom so that you yeah. know, the partner who may not be doing so well or may need to talk about um, their feelings, may need to be, they may need reassurance. They may need to say, oh, is this normal that, you know, I'm thinking that I'm, I'm feeling this? Yeah. Um, you know, th- sometimes that's all you need. And other times they need more help, maybe medication, maybe strategies. They need to see a psychologist, counselor, psychiatrist. Um, whatever it is, but there is help out there. So yes, it's very mm. important to mention the the partner can, you know, their mental health can suffer, but there is help, and there is usually uh, through the community uh, child health nurse or through the GP, or sometimes through even if you've got if you've gone through uh, the midwifery group practice, the midwife can sometimes help find uh, appropriate services for the partner as well. So there is help. Yeah. It's about yeah. reaching out to it's about and in Jake's case, he was really brave to tell you mm. that he wasn't yeah. doing well because sometimes that's that's the hardest step. It's to say, I'm not okay and yeah. then to yeah. tell someone so that help can be seeked, actually. Yeah. yeah. Good, good on Jake. Thank you, Jake, for, for talking about this. Yeah. No, I think that's and that's been, you know, something that he wants to try and yeah get 
more men aware of and everything too yeah. obviously he's had that experience and yeah that's really important for him so how was your um you know because you're an exercise physiologist how was your pelvic floor and your return back to exercise how did you find that yeah so it was actually not too bad I think I probably went a little bit too soon into things that I probably mm-hmm. like rushed myself I was kind of like no my body feels good I'm good like blah 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 but later down the track you know I'm talking maybe six months postpartum that I was kind of like actually no I do have some like stress incontinence and things like oh, that yeah. which was interesting because then I guess that kind of made me that's when I really started to shift my focus um, with the other options available for extra study and things like that so I started yeah. this um, what do you call it like external uh, lost for words right now um, <laughs> another course um, to uh-huh. upskill in pregnancy and postpartum so nice. um, professional development that's what I was yeah looking there for. You go. yeah um, yeah, so I, you know, I, it was more just not actually for my career as such. It was more for myself. I was like, oh, I'm really mm-hmm. interested in this. You know, I want to learn more about this, how I can support myself and my pelvic floor and healing and all that sort of stuff. And then because I also wanted to try to get back into running and things and I was kind of like, well, this yeah. is limiting me because now I'm either having to go to the toilet every two seconds so that I'm not mm-hmm. leaking and, you know. Um, so I was kind of a bit, yeah, in this phase of like, I should know this, I should have known better, blah, blah, blah. And then as I, I learned, but then I guess you don't know what you don't know. No. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting learning, you know, what I had done wrong and how to correct that. And yeah, second time around was definitely a lot more gentle and returning to exercise and, you know, making sure that I'd really focused on building that pelvic floor strength again. I guess I was kind yeah. of, yeah, pretty blase about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but it was good that I did have that, obviously, clinical knowledge yeah. But then at the same time, you can have this clinical knowledge, but then what you say and what you do can be two different things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was an and, interesting time, yeah. but I'm glad that I did upskill and learn a bit more about that to support mm, myself. Yeah. And yeah. And I think what you're saying might resonate a lot with listeners who you feel good postpartum, you know, yeah. after yeah. probably a few weeks. Uh, and then you go, well, yeah, I can get back into what I was doing before, which, you know, it could be CrossFit, yeah. could be running, could be, you know, weight training, whatever. Um, yeah. And then it's it's an, it's an a trap to that's too easy to fall into to do too much too quickly because you feel yes. fine and you go, well, yeah, yeah I just want to get back into it. And, and, yes, you know, exercise early on has a, a place, but it mm. needs to be gentle. It needs to be, you know, there's a lot of – retraining to do in terms of you know core strength and pelvic floor and and sometimes I find it's it's hard to get that message across because the women feel fine so they're like well I don't have any aches I don't have any pains um it it, you know it's it's fine I can I can deadlift I can do whatever but it's it's easy to do too much too soon and as you said for you you saw the consequences you know six months down the track yeah um it could have been a whole year down the track and and you could have never put the two together you could have gone oh yeah I don't know maybe it's maybe it's just part of motherhood which we know it's it's not yeah yeah but yeah it's 
I find that's a really good uh, message you've just sent that, you know, it's obviously exercise has a place, but it needs to be gentle. It needs to be progressive, not just, oh, I've given birth. I'm going to do my personal best. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe not the time just yet. (laughs) And this is the end of the first part of Emma's pregnancy and birth story with her son, Charlie. I hope you enjoyed it. She will be back next week with the second part where she will take you through the free birth of her daughter Daisy. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to get notified of when a new episode comes out, please subscribe to this show on your podcast listening platform. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or share this episode so that other mom can find it. If you would like to tell your own pregnancy, birth or parenting story, please head to the show notes and you will find a form there to get in touch with me. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will be with you again next week for a new episode.